CPRI and the CPRI Knowledge Hub, this is Research Minutes, a weekly look at new and important research in education. Today, we look at the challenge of supporting students in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic and a field of research that may offer some ways forward. We know from SIFE Education that the absolute last thing you want to do is just have students walk in the door, not process any of what has happened and say, hey, you've got math work to do, or you are nine months behind on your reading. Get to work. What's wrong with you? We welcome the University of Virginia's Chris Chang Bacon, author of a new article examining years of research into SIFE, or students with interrupted formal education, and offering lessons for educators in a post-COVID world. He shares some of his recommendations. If you treat a kid like they are broken, like they're behind, they're going to believe you. And some takeaways for policymakers, school leaders, researchers, and other stakeholders over the months and years ahead. Perhaps we have demonstrated what has always been possible that we as teachers, as researchers and advocates can now hold on to as a precedent for when these accommodations are needed for other students in the future. That's right now on Research Minutes. Hello, and welcome to Research Minutes. I'm Keith Miller, Managing Editor of the CPRI Knowledge Hub. Today, we're happy to be speaking with Chris Chang Bacon, Assistant Professor of Education in the School of Education and Human Development at the University of Virginia. Thanks so much for joining us, Chris. Thank you. Glad to be here. So today we're discussing your new article, Generation Interrupted, Rethinking Students with Interrupted Formal Education in the Wake of a Pandemic. Uh, it was just published in Educational Researcher, and it takes a new look at student experiences in the wake of COVID-19 by drawing on past research in the field of Students with Interrupted Formal Education, or SIFE. To start, for those who may not be familiar, could you explain what SIFE is and why you felt prior research there might provide some insight into students who are currently navigating the pandemic? Absolutely. So like a lot of us, I kept hearing the word unprecedented when it came to schooling during this time because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So we've all heard or ended emails with these unprecedented times. So it makes you start to think about unprecedented for who? So from SIFE education, and so that is S-I-F-E, and it stands for Students with Interrupted Formal Education. And we usually use this term in the field of bilingual or English as a second language ESL education. It's primarily used to talk about refugee or immigrant students whose schooling has been disrupted during the migration. And that could be because of the act of migration itself, political instability in their home countries, natural disasters, poverty, or of course, disruptions due to diseases or pandemics. So even before the context of COVID-19, you could start to think, well, why is this term SIF primarily applied to immigrant or refugee population? We have a lot of causes here of interrupted schooling in the U.S., even during a quote-unquote normal year. That could be punitive suspensions, students who encounter long-term hospitalizations. The school-to-prison pipeline is removing children from schooling all the time and interrupting that. So back to that term, unprecedented, a lot of us have seen, well, hey, there's nothing unprecedented here. This is very precedented that students would miss school and then we'd be worried about them 
upon re-entry. So in our current context with COVID-19, you can start to ask, what does a term like SIFE even mean when the near entirety of the schooling population has now experienced that interrupted schooling? And for me, that allows us to ask some really interesting questions right now. So how are certain students treated differently when their schooling is interrupted than others? Are we seeing this today where some students have been accommodated and we've really bent over backwards to transform schooling in profound ways to meet their needs? And so most importantly, is there a way that we could preserve this wave of major accommodations that we're seeing right now for future generations of students who will continue to experience interrupted schooling, again, even during a quote-unquote normal school year. And they might experience at a smaller scale, but these are ways that are no less disruptive. So I thought that these were really important questions for us to ask now and into the future. So could you give us an overview of your approach to this work? What kinds of research were you looking at and what questions were you hoping to answer? Well, with this particular article, I really wanted to set this up as a, a mutual exchange. So first of all, we have knowledge from previous SIFE research that can be really useful to the current context. But then on the other side of that, this current context can really help advance the accommodations and supports we're able to give to students in the future. So on that first hand there, I really wanted to look at previous research about students with interrupted formal education to see what we could learn from the past. And it turns out, of course, there's a wealth of expertise that SIF students and their teachers who have been working with these populations for decades and students' families have on the impact of interrupted schooling and ways that we as education professionals can help out. And when you look at this existing research, I wanted to really show that we do have a body of knowledge that can help us engage with this and to think about how we can capitalize on these insights. And also, beyond just the students traditionally labeled as SIFE, what would happen if we looked at these other forms of interrupted schooling and recommendations from research there? When you look across this research, it seems that there really is something to the interruption of schooling itself, regardless of the cause, that sets up a certain set of needs for you when you come back to school that schools have historically not been prepared to deal with in that time. So that's the first half of really seeing what we can learn from previous studies on this. But second, under the current conditions, we can look at these accommodations that have been rolled out across the country, and whether that be the suspension of standardized testing for students that happened last spring and is continuing to happen, whether that could be the availability of distance learning, getting students set up with technology and Wi-Fi that they might not have had access to before. What can we learn about these things that, to be honest, we had asked for in SIFE education for decades before this, and we're told it was impossible? And it is really fascinating in a lot of ways to see what suddenly becomes possible when interrupted schooling has affected the majority of the population. So if there is any silver lining to be had here with this crisis, perhaps we have demonstrated what has always been possible that we as teachers, as researchers and advocates can now hold on to as a precedent for when these accommodations are needed for other students in the future. That actually brings me to my next question. I was curious what kinds of strategies or accommodations districts and schools have used 
successfully to accommodate students with interrupted education. Could you give us some examples? Absolutely. So in the article, I go through five broad categories of support having to do with curriculum, program accommodations, socio-emotional supports, collaboration, and then finally confronting this idea of impossibility. And today, I really want to focus on two of those, the responsive curriculum and and the socio-emotional support. And the reason I want to focus on curriculum right now is it's one of the first things that comes up when people are even thinking about interrupted schooling or currently or in the future of students coming back to school. People get really understandably nervous, both now or in the case of SIFE education, of, oh, what are the students going to know? Are they going to be behind? Are they going to not be where they should be? And this is one thing we have learned from SIFE education, that when you're a teacher, when you're a principal, when you're a school, you teach the students who are in front of you. And those students are exactly where they should be when they arrive, wherever they are, whatever they know, that's what they should know. So right now we have a lot of anxiety and worries around this idea of learning loss or that students are going to be behind. And we have to ask ourselves in this case, you know, behind what? We've constructed these standards of where we believe a fifth grader should be, what a fifth grader should know. When we really stop and think about it, most of us would say, well, you know, those are developmentally appropriate standards, but at the end of the day, they are relatively arbitrary. And those standards are meant to serve the students. The students aren't meant to serve those standards. So we know from SIF education that is particularly counterproductive to wish your students were somewhere other than they were. Instead, SIF teachers know this, teachers of English language learners know this, special education teachers know this, they do this every day. You need to have a curriculum that is responsive and meets students where they are at. So don't focus on what they haven't learned this year, what you're worried about, what they hadn't got. You have to focus on what they have learned. This has been a dramatic year of learning for all of us, but particularly for our students. They've learned more than I ever had at any age about community health and keeping one another safe. They have watched us go through a traumatizing election season. They have watched current events. So how can we focus on what they have gained and how we can work from that with our students? And honestly, this opens up really exciting possibilities for what we always want to do with students. It opens up possibility for a student-focused, differentiated curriculum that we always talk about wanting in the first place that's really based on the students in front of us and what knowledge that they are bringing. And you have to acknowledge that your students might be at different places along different sets of continuum for this. And That is something that if you're working in a school building, again, you have ESL teachers there, you have special education teachers, talk to them. They're a huge source of knowledge for how to differentiate your curriculum. They do it every day. They do it every year. Lots of different teachers do this and will tell you that it's never straightforward, but it's always possible and it's always the right thing to do to meet students where they're at. The second main subject that I wanted to discuss today There might be differences in opinion on how to respond and change the curriculum to students, but one thing that is true across the SIF research and the research on interrupted schooling in general is the importance of socio-emotional support. We never want to assume that students have all had the same experience with interrupted schooling. 
In fact, one really clear point I wanted to make in the piece that I wrote is that in asking this idea, well, are all students students with interrupted formal education right now? We have to be really careful not to make a false equivalence between students who are fleeing war or severe trauma with students who had to you know, learn from home on their laptops in a comfortable home. So let me first just very clearly say that there's no need to make a false equivalence between those two things here. But that being said, we also can't assume we know who has experienced trauma this year with this schooling disruption and who hasn't. For all students, this has been a huge disruption in their lives, their routines, their joys, their support systems. So we have to bring students back to school and engage with them in schools. And we've had to do this online this year already and realize that all schools and all teachers really need to focus on socio-emotional supports right now. When students currently are or will come physically back to the classroom, it'll be scary. It's going to be a different experience. Students are going to need to process this. We know from SIFE education that the absolute last thing you want to do is just have students walk in the door, not process any of what has happened and say, hey, you've got math work to do, or you are nine months behind on your reading. Get to work. What's wrong with you? So at the end of the day, if there's one point I want to tell people from our experience in SIFE education, it's that if you treat a kid like they are broken, like they're behind, they're going to believe you and we will lose them in that case. So it is really important for you to focus on helping your students just come back into a learning environment, to get used to a new learning environment, and for them to feel good about the achievements that they've had this past year, even if they are different than what the achievements might have looked like in any typical year. You note in the article that to adapt some of these accommodations to students who are impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic, we might need to rethink the way that we think about interrupted education and SIFE students in general. Could you expand on that a little bit? Definitely. One thing that I think we can really start thinking about here is who gets a label as a student and who doesn't? And what are those purposes? And what is the purpose of giving a student a label in the first place? So I'm talking about this with SIFE, but you could apply it to anything else quote-unquote, at-risk students, quote-unquote, struggling readers. So when we think of the point of this label is supposedly this will give the student access to more help and support that they need. One thing that I do want to be clear about here is, unfortunately, SIF students, despite receiving that label, they have historically not gotten the support that they need this is something I go into in the article. The numbers really show that our schools aren't prepared to deal with even small-scale disruptions in students' schooling. If they've been away from school for a significant period of time, graduation rates get lower, test scores might get lower, their feelings of self-worth get lower. These are things that it's not something that's necessarily wrong with the student, but we're clearly not serving them in schools. So what this, to me, exposes and I think what some of the fears today around test score loss has really demonstrated is that we have a system that's so predicated on what we assume to be, quote unquote, a normal student, that we are fully unprepared to support students who even deviate from that prescribed learning path even a little bit. So the folks who are listening right now who are teachers themselves, they're going to recognize this, especially our, our special education teachers, our psych teachers. 
our English as a second language teachers, folks working in culturally responsive education, they will know this. But for a lot of folks, what's really been laid bare right now is that if we can't support different learning trajectories, even when a pandemic has affected all of our students, then why should it surprise us that students are falling through the cracks, even in normal times? So I think this can really be a time that we can rethink whether what we need is a quote unquote return to normal. Is that what we want in the first place? Who was that norm good for and, and who did it serve? It certainly wasn't good for SIFE students. It wasn't good for students who learn differently or have different interests than what's in the prescribed curriculum. So is that something we really want to get back to? And I think this moment of interruption can be a thoughtful pause as well. In education, we've had to rush to adapt and to struggle, and teachers have done amazing work to bring their whole curriculums online to really find new ways to connect with their students. They're doing incredible work, but we haven't gotten the opportunity to pause and ask, what do we want to go back to after this versus what do we want to move forward to? My final question uh, experts and educational leaders in a wide range of fields believe that the COVID-19 pandemic and the widespread social justice movements we've seen over the last year, they both offer us a chance to dramatically rethink our approach to education. Following your work here, uh, do you feel the same? And if so, how might we go about that? I absolutely agree that that sort of possibility exists, but only if we really choose to seize it. And I have to be honest with you that I think this possibility does exist, but in education, a lot of our energy right now seems to be, hey, get us back to normal as soon as possible. We really got to get those test scores up. We're worried about students being behind. That anxiety is a lot of our driving energy right now. And while I understand that fear, it's not going to bring us to where we want to be and where we should have been in the first place. So regression to the status quo has always been a time-tested strategy for maintaining existing power hierarchies. And if we think things are bad right now or have something to fear, we really have to be even more afraid that all of this disruption we've experienced has been for nothing. And that the best we can do is to go back in time to the rampant inequities that had existed in classrooms and in schools before. So in terms of how we can bring about a, a different sort of vision that we could really carry into the future with this. We really have to elevate the knowledge that students are bringing to the classroom right now, this year, next year, and every year. And we have to assume and know that students aren't going to conform to any specific measure of where they should be. And we really have to realize that their knowledge can't be contained or minimized to a few test scores. And then our driving force in education should be, what are you bringing to the classroom today and every day? And how can I celebrate that knowledge? How can I build on that knowledge? Not towards some bar of where I think you need to be, but to where you want to be and what ways do you want to grow? So even when students aren't in classrooms for a significant period of time, we shouldn't assume that they are not learning during that time. We have to realize that they are always learning and that that learning has value. And I think that's one of the biggest implications we can take away from this period of upheaval. 
Well, this is great work, Chris, and we encourage our listeners to go read the full article. Again, it's titled Generation Interrupted, Rethinking Students with Interrupted Formal Education in the Wake of a Pandemic, and it was just published in the journal Educational Researcher. Chris Chang-Bacon, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. This was great to talk to you. Thanks for listening to this week's Research Minutes, presented by the CPRI Knowledge Hub. For more episodes or to subscribe to the series, you can find us at researchminutes.org. To share thoughts on today's episode or to suggest a future topic, you can follow us on Twitter at CPRI Hub. That's C-P-R-E Hub. <laughs>